move through some scripture today. I, um, I never went to Bible school. I never um, took classes on how to teach or preach. It would probably be helpful. I, they say you're never too old to learn. I should probably go learn. Um, but I do understand, apparently, one of the things you're taught is that you should never read too much scripture. Like you can... And I've always failed in that regard. <laughs> I guess maybe because that means you're trying to preach the whole book. I don't know. There's just so many threads in the Word of God. I just feel like sometimes let the Word of God speak for itself. And let's lay hold on the Word of God. Amen? And so I believe the Lord would lead us to some threads in the Scripture today. I have been stuck in this place. For those of you that were in Selah last Sunday morning, you may think we're repeating the same thing, but stay with us. There's more. The book of Romans, chapter number 3. I'm not going to have you stand for all the scripture I'm reading, but maybe we could just, for this first passage here. Romans, chapter 3, starting with verse number 10. Notice how that verse starts, as it is written. In the New Testament, usually when you see those words, as it is written, it's usually almost always referencing an Old Testament passage of Scripture. So you'll see a lot of reference back to the Old Testament. It's a great way to cross-reference study. As it is written, there is none righteous. Everybody say none righteous. You just described you and I. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Boy, this is discouraging, isn't it? Stay with me. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. Watch verse 18. We'll probably come back to this. Verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Would you read, can you see, would you read that verse with me out loud? There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 19, now we know that what things soever the law saith, It says to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world, everybody say all the world, may become guilty before God. These are some strong words, aren't they? We read over this sometimes. The law does this. This is what the law does. The law. 
We know what the law says. It says to those under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, verse 20, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh. Everybody say no flesh. flesh. You're seeing all these absolute statements. No flesh, none righteous, none good, all guilty. It's pretty dismal, isn't it? That's exactly what, the Paul, what Paul, the writer of Romans, wanted us to understand. Our state and our condition. Where we are left to ourselves. How we are of our own accord. What we are in our flesh and our humanity. He needed us to get a glimpse, a picture, a realization, a revelation. The tragedy of it all is verse 15. Or 18 that we read, and there's no fear of the Lord. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Just a few more verses, and I'll have you be seated. Verse 21, but now, if I say, but now. now. Say that again. But But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Thank you. The righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Verse 23, you can quote this. For all, everybody say all. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Of God. You must understand the writer of Romans, Paul, is referencing a very specific thing here with this verse. When the high priest once a year would enter into the tabernacle and go on the day of atonement with blood to the holiest of holies, it was there when the sacrifice was accepted that the glory of the Lord would come down. And dwell above the mercy seat. Shekinah glory would fill the tabernacle. And the sins of Israel would push forward one year. And the writer here is drawing reference to that. When he says, for all have sinned and come short. Come short of the glory of God. What is he saying? He's saying your sin keeps you and me. From approaching the glory of God. The glory of God is available. The glory of God is accessible. The glory of God is within reach. But there's one thing that has kept us short of His glory. All have sinned. And as a result of sin have come short of the glory of God. Oh, I'm so glad it didn't stop. Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. That's a replacement. Somebody to take your place and mine. A propitiation. Through faith. But watch, for Him to be your replacement and mine. 
to stand in the place for you and I, for all these places where we're guilty before the Lord, none righteous, none good, judged by the law, for someone to take our place, there must be faith in His blood. Through faith in His blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God. I'm just going to talk to you about his blood today. The scripture is going to talk to us about his blood today. We need a renewal of faith in his blood. I'm not talking about knowledge of His blood. Starts there. But faith in His blood. The word is clear, is it not? He is a propitiation for you and I through faith in His blood. Would you pray with me before we're seated? Well, before you're seated, I'll keep standing. Please, pray with me today for the Lord to... Speak to us. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for your precious and holy word. I pray by your great grace that your spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding and the knowledge of you would take place here this morning. God, that you would anoint our minds, our ears, our heart, our soul, and our spirit. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, speak into our lives as only you can by your precious holy word let it pierce to the dividing asunder of our soul and our spirit of the joints and the marrow let it discern the thoughts and the intents of our heart i pray your precious holy word we take this gathering this morning under the authority of your name we take authority over every spirit and attitude that would war contrary to your purpose and i pray the divine desire of god be wrought here this morning In Jesus' name, let the conviction and the compassion of Christ minister. Let your purpose be realized among us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody said amen. You can be seated today. Thank you for your standing. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 5, if you would turn there. If you haven't already shut your Bible, if you have, you get to reopen it. Romans chapter 5, we'll read in just a moment, starting in verse number 6. But we see in this passage we read the condition of man. All are guilty, none are righteous, none are good. All have sinned and come short. It doesn't exclude any of us. But through faith in His blood, He became a propitiation. He took my place and yours when I recognize the offering of His sacrifice. And I have faith in the blood of a spotless lamb. Something changes. Romans chapter 5, verse number 6. We see the Apostle Paul continuing this thread. Why would he write the same things almost seemingly? What he's doing is he's going deeper and deeper into a thought. He's trying to open the understanding of the people to recognize what God has done, who God is, the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's trying to take us deeper with understanding, deeper with revelation, deeper in conviction, thereby deeper in commitment. 
and thereby deeper in consecration to Him. It is a call to go deeper. It is a call to go further in Christ. It is a call to turn away from the things of the world and turn full to His wonderful face. It's a beckoning call of the blood. It's a beckoning call of the blood. Romans 5 and verse number 6 says, For when we, I say we, we got to see ourselves in these scriptures. we got to see ourselves in these words so we understand the power of what Christ has done for us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and I. We were ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. Verse 8, but God commendeth His love toward us. Somebody hear that this morning. God commended His love towards you. God proved His love to you. God showed His love to you. Not while you had it all together. Not while I had it all figured out. Not once I got everything in order and proved how good I was. While I was still a sinner. While I was ungodly. While I was without the law. While I deserved death. God proved His love to you and I. That while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for us. Watch. Much more then. Being now justified. How am I and are you as a sinner justified? My ungodliness, my unrighteousness, my lawlessness, my lost condition, my guilt before God. How in the world am I justified? I'll tell you how I'm justified. I am now justified by His blood. When you and I stand before the judgment seat of God, and please hear me, we will. When we stand before the judgment seat of God, He will look upon you and He will look upon me. And were it not, if not covered by His precious blood, He will look and we would not be justified. He would see us in our sin, our unrighteousness, our guilt, and our godlessness. But when He looks, and if we've been buried in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins through the water of baptism... He will see the precious blood. And we are justified by His blood. Not by our works. Not by our actions. Not by how much you pray. Not by how much you fast. Not by how much you give. It's justification by the blood of Jesus. We are justified by His blood. We shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And watch verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom? This is why we praise Him. This is why we worship Him. This is why we exalt Him. By whom we have now. We have now. We have now 
received the atonement. Remember all those verses we read in chapter 5 while you were standing? I'm sorry, chapter 3 while you were standing. All those things about guilty and none righteous and none good. And I had you repeat and it said, but now. We have now received the atonement. Turn over to Romans chapter 6. I told you I'm going to read a little scripture. Bear with me. Let the scripture penetrate your heart and mind. Let the word of God be written on the fleshly tables of our heart today. Romans chapter 6. Again, Paul is continuing this vein. He's trying to communicate something. He's not just trying to belabor a point. He's trying to communicate something. So please don't just dismiss the word this morning as though I would be trying to belabor a point. That is not it at all. The Lord is trying to take us into a depth of understanding that takes us to a deeper commitment and consecration and relationship with Him. Romans chapter 6, starting with verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You see that question? I want you to ask yourself that question this morning. Shall we continue in sin? What's the answer? Should we continue in sin because we've been justified by His blood? Should we continue in sin because He's been the propitiation for our sin? Should I continue in sin because I know the blood has been shed? No, and a thousand times, no. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The answer is found in verse 2. God forbid. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Somebody hear the word of the Lord this morning. If I've been rescued and delivered by the blood from sin, why should I continue in sin? If I've been brought out of sin, Brother Joel, why would I go back to sin If I have been washed clean from sin, why would I return to a place of sin? This is the question Paul is asking. He's trying to communicate. He's writing to Romans. He's writing to the church. He was addressing something in the church regarding the blood and knowing about the power of the blood. And he was addressing an issue that seemed to arise from time to time where the church would dismiss the power of the blood and return to sin. And he was saying, hey, should I continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how should I and you that have been made dead to sin by the propitiation of Jesus Christ, how shall I continue any longer therein? I'm telling you, we need a fresh conviction of sin. We need a fresh hatred for sin. I fear we become too casual. As though the blood is readily available and I can just run back anytime. If I feel like a Friday night should be a casual one. 
and I just want to yield a little bit to sin. It doesn't matter. On Sunday morning, I'll be in church and I'll repent and everything will be fine. And we just casually run back. This is what Paul is reaching to in the church. How shall we that are dead to sin continue any longer? Therein. Verse 3. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, we were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we, we also should walk that's daily living that's daily living we also should walk in newness of life we're not meant to continue in sin we're meant to walk in newness of life how through faith in his blood through faith in his blood he became a propitiation for me he took my place I'm not denying that I was a sinner. I'm not denying that I was guilty. I'm not denying that. But I'm recognizing I've been brought out of sin by the blood of the Lamb. And I can't continue any longer therein. I've been made to walk. And you've been made to walk daily, weekly, monthly, moment by moment, hour by hour, every moment of your life. You have been made to walk in newness of life for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall be also I want you to notice something in verse 5 just sort of leapt off of the page at me as I was reading there it doesn't say if we have participated together in the likeness of his death Planted. Planted. You know what that speaks to me of? Something that went under, right? Because he's in the context of burial and baptism. But when something's planted, the roots stay there. The roots stay there. We have been planted in the likeness of his death. We also shall be. In the likeness of his resurrection. Skip down for sake of time to verse number 17. My heart cries out with the Apostle Paul. But God be thanked. But God be thanked. But God be thanked that you were the... Now, you understand, he's not thanking God that we were servants of sin. You got to read the whole verse. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart... That form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin. What did you and I become? What were we meant to become when we were made free from sin? We became the servants. That word literally translates slaves. We became the slaves of righteousness. 
Righteousness now governs our life. Righteousness now directs our steps. Righteousness now guides our feet. Oh, but hold on. I read in chapter 3, there are none righteous. No, not one. That's exactly right. But when I was buried with Him in baptism, and when I was risen to walk in newness of life, something transformed in me by the applied blood of the Lamb, and I became a slave to His righteousness. And now His righteousness can guide me and direct me. So I no longer live and walk in sin. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We don't when we get faith in the blood. When we've gone through the water in the name of Jesus. Filled with His Spirit. Skip down to verse 23. Almost seems out of place here because we didn't read all three chapters. But Paul is trying to remind and bring back clarity. In light of all of this that he's saying, off-quoted scripture, for the wages of sin is death. Let us not forget the price of sin is the same for all of eternity. The cost of sin never changes. The price of sin never changes. The effects of sin never change. The wages of sin is death. But the gift, the gift, the gift of God, the gift of God, I'm so thankful for the gift of God. Because the gift of God is eternal life, not death. It's not death. It's eternal life. But only through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hurry with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. I shared. We're just going to let the Word talk to us today. Just going to let the Word talk to us today. Hear me. If I'm one who seeks to make excuse for or try to justify my sin, there's a strong possibility I've lost faith in the blood or I no longer place the appropriate value on His sacrifice. How shall we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein? Hebrews 9 and verse number 1. I want to read this whole chapter, but I'm not going to. Hebrews 9 and 1 says, Then verily or truly, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made. Verse 2. I'm not going to read all these other verses. But the writer of Hebrews 
is drawing people back to the Old Testament tabernacle and the Old Testament law. That's what he means when he's talking about the first covenant. Then he reminds them of the tabernacle and he tells them all the different furniture in it and tells about after the second veil, the holiest of all in verse number 3. And he talks about the Ark of the Covenant and the cherubims. He says, I don't necessarily have time to speak to all that right now particularly. But if you skip down to verse number 6, after he lays out that groundwork of the law and the, the tabernacle, we understand what he's talking about. Verse 6, he says, Now when these things, the things in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, were thus ordained, the priests, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. What's he talking about? Short Bible study here. In the Old Testament tabernacle, you have the outer court that had the uh, altar of sacrifice or the brazen altar and the brazen laver and then you went into what was called the holy place or the first tabernacle in the holy place was the candlestick the table of showbread and the candlestick that was the holy place or the first tabernacle alright beyond the first tabernacle or the holy place was what was called the holiest of holies or the holiest of all okay so this is what he's talking about here These things were thus ordained. These laws, these ordinances, all this stuff he talked about in the first five verses. This was all ordained. And the priests went always into the first tabernacle. What was he saying? That was something they would do daily. Daily. They would go into the first tabernacle. They would go into the altar of incense, taking fire from the altar of sacrifice, putting it there and offering prayers and praise and worship incense unto the Lord lighting the candlesticks to bring light to themselves the showbread representing the word of God and of course all of it representing the Lord Jesus Christ he said I am the light of the world he said I am the bread of life the I am was represented throughout the tabernacle and so he's saying this priest went in always it was something they could do regularly they would go in but then he draws a distinction when you go into the very next verse watch the next verse My page turned on me. But into the second, verse 7, into the second, that's the holy place, the holiest of holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's where the glory of the Lord would come down and dwell. That's the place where God manifested His presence. See, you can go to an altar of sacrifice. You can go to a labor. But if you really want to see the manifested presence of God. Watch. But into the second went the high priest alone. And he didn't do that always. See, he's drawing a distinction from verse 6 to verse 7. In verse 6, the priest went always. In verse 6, the priest went always. But he's trying to help us understand. Into this place, the high priest alone, not everybody could do this. Just the high priest alone. And he could only go once every year. And he didn't go without blood. Which he offered not only for himself, but for the errors or the sins of the people. What does this signify? Verse number 8 gives us an understanding of what all of this is. In case you mean, what was all that about? Verse 8 tells us, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way. Everybody say, the way. The way into the holiest of all was not yet 
made manifest. The way in to the holiest of all was not yet. Can I just take you back to Romans real quick? But now. The way in was not made manifest. But now. The way in was not yet revealed. But now. Somebody's not getting this. But now. But now. But now. John 14 and 6. Jesus Christ said, I am the way. The way in was not yet made manifest. But now. What was it? The Holy Ghost signifying the way was not yet. But now. Jesus Christ said, I am the way. The way what? The way into the holiest of all. The way in that you could not go before. The way. I'm the way. First Timothy 3.16 says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. You see that? The way in the holiest was not yet made manifest. But Jesus said, I'm the way. And Paul told Timothy, God was manifest. The way was manifest through the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice, it wasn't manifested while the first, that's the Old Testament tabernacle, was yet standing. Which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered gifts and sacrifices that could not, please see this, the gifts and sacrifices could not, say could not. Look at your neighbor and say it couldn't. They could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Couldn't do it. Verse 10. Stood only in meats and drinks and divers, washings, carnal ordinances imposed on them. Talk about all the Old Testament until the time of Reformation. Verse 11. But Christ, but Christ, but Christ. I understand now why Paul said, I don't preach anything except Christ and Him crucified. I just want to preach Christ and Him crucified. He made a way for me. He delivered me. He brought me out. He brought me in. But Christ being come, an high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. This is what He was talking about in John 2 and 19 when He said, destroy this temple. And I'll tell you in three days, I'll raise it up again. Destroy this tabernacle. And in three days, I'll raise it up again. And they said, what? This tabernacle has been 46 years in building. Verse number 20. And verse 21 said, John 4 there, said, they didn't understand that He spoke of His body. Of His body. Of His body. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come by, a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, as they say, not of this building, verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood. He entered in once. What's He talking about? He's talking, remember what we just referenced? The Holy Ghost thus signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. And the high priest went 
only by himself once a year. But him, Jesus Christ, by his own blood, he went in once into the holy place and he obtained eternal redemption for us. I would that that would somehow sink into your life, sink into your heart, and sink into your spirit. I'm 52 years old this morning. I realize that sounds old to some of you. Brother Escobar, how old are you? 72. 72. Anybody older than 72 in here? 72. 72 can sound like, man, that's old. I'm 52 and people think I'm old. If I told you, hey, God's going to answer your prayer, but it'll be 15 years. Does that sound like a long time? Right. It's a long time, isn't it? See, we understand that. But we read this verse and we gloss right over what He did. By His own blood, He entered in once. Into the holy place. And look what he did. He obtained not five years, not 52 years, not 72 years. He obtained eternal redemption for us. We can't wrap our minds around that. We can't fathom that. But if we'll get a fresh revelation of the blood of Jesus Christ. If we'll get a fresh revelation. He didn't obtain redemption for you until you stumble and fall again and then you lost it. Some of you need this revelation. Because the adversary is trying to beat you up constantly with condemnation over things in the past that are under the blood. When he went into the holy place with his own blood, when he went to the cross and let them beat him and whip him and cause the blood to flow from his side and from his head and from his back and his body, that blood that flowed from the spotless Lamb of God was to obtain eternal redemption for us. It's the reason why when on the cross he said, It is finished! That behold, the veil of the temple was written He entered in once! By His own blood. And in doing so, He obtained for you and He obtained for me the ones who was guilty, the one who was not righteous, the one who was not good. He obtained forever eternal redemption for us. Can we worship Him right now? Give us an understanding, Lord. Give us a revelation, God, of what You've done. You, the King of glory, came, wrapped yourself in a robe of flesh. You, the King of all kings, humbled yourself and took on the form of a man in order to die so that I could live. You obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. Old Testament. Verse 14. How much more? How much more 
shall the blood of Christ, which through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God. Watch what it does. It purges your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. This is what the blood does for you. The blood comes in. Conscience, co-perception, how you perceive yourself, how God perceives you. The blood comes where the adversary would deal with you and say, I'm not this, I've failed here, I've done that. But you know you've been through the blood. You know the blood's been applied to your life. The blood of Jesus Christ comes and it purges your conscience, your perception of yourself. And you get a clearer view of how He perceives you. Because while you and I were still a sinner, He died for us and shed His blood for us. And so our conscience is purged. And by that purged conscience, we move from dead works and we are able to serve the living For those of you in the room today that are saying, I just don't know if I can do this. I would tell you, none of us can. Oh, but the blood. Oh, but the blood. I can do it, Brother Adam. Not because of my ability. Not because I'm good or I'm righteous in my own self. But because of the blood, my conscience has been purged from dead works. And I can serve the living God. This is the power of the blood. This is what He bought for you. And we need a revelation afresh. Faith in the blood. Faith in the blood. Faith in the blood. Renew our faith in the blood. Quickly, Hebrews 10. Verse number 1. The writer of Hebrews seems like he's belaboring a point. But no, he's in the same thread as Paul writing to the Romans. He's trying to open the understanding. He's trying to bring revelation. He's trying to get the people of God to lay hold on the truth of the Word of God. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. That means the law in the Old Testament pointing to what was yet to come. And not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year. Now he's talking about the atonement one time a year can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers perfect. In other words, they had to do it year by year because it never, all it did was push stuff forward. Just pushed it forward. Never made them perfect. Just pushed them forward. Just pushed them forward. Verse 2, For then would they not have ceased to be offered? If they were good enough, why would they stop offering them? Because the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance made again of sins every year. Does that make sense? Saying the memory just kept, it never purged their conscience. They remembered and they, the atonement had to take place again year after year, year after year. Remembrance was made again and again. Verse number four. For it is not possible. It's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body you have prepared me. Sacrifice and offerings wouldn't do it. So you prepared me a body. Are you getting this revelation? Sacrifice and offerings wouldn't purge the conscience. Just year after year, year after year, guilt again, shame again, guilt again, shame again, guilt again, shame again. 
And so rather than another goat or another lamb or another bull or another sheep, you prepared me a body. You prepared me a body. Verse 14, for by one offering, by one offering he hath perfected. I want somebody to see that word and lay hold on that word today. For by one offering. Remember what we read at the part, start of this chapter? The offering year by year couldn't perfect. For by one offering. He hath perfected. Not for 15 years, not for 52 years, not for 72 years. He hath perfected forever. Them that are sanctified. There is still power in the blood. He has perfected forever. Somebody lay hold on the word of God. Where the adversaries tried to rob you of faith in the blood. I would that the word of God this morning. Faith that comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of the Lord. I would that it would come into your spirit afresh. There's power in the blood. When the blood was put on my life. It purged my conscience forever. When the blood was put on me. It pushed my sins away forever. The blood is powerful enough. He offered once for all. Once for all, stop listening to the adversary. Stop giving ear to the accuser. Stop giving in to the voice of the flesh and determine I'll not continue in sin because I've been purchased by the blood. Verse 15, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us for after He had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and their minds will I write them. Verse 17, in their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness. I would to God this morning that by His Spirit and His Word He would impart into every one of us such faith in the blood that we would recognize. Stop believing the lie. Well, I can't come before the presence of God because what are you talking about? Get it under the blood. Get to a place of repentance. Submit it to the Lord. Let the blood wash over you. And then by boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say His flesh. Having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For He is faithful. That is promised. I'm hurrying to finish here. Only by His blood. Only by His blood. Through faith in His blood. 
He obtained eternal redemption for us by His blood. He washed away my sin and yours if we've been buried in baptism in Jesus' name. By His blood, He made a way for you and I to come into the presence of God. By His blood, our sins, we read it at the outset, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But now we have beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. How would the glory of God be manifested? Now He would allow His glory to be manifested through His body, the church. How is this possible? It's possible by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood you and I can stand this morning in the presence of God and feel the glory of God fill the tabernacle. We can come before the throne of God, not by our goodness or our works, but by His blood. By His blood, He heals us. If you're sick this morning in your body, I'm telling you, by the blood of the Lamb, you can be made whole. If you're filthy in your spirit, the blood of the Lamb can wash over you and make you whole. There is power to overcome the accuser through the blood. Revelation 12 and 11. They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb. They, that word over, somebody needs to lay hold on this. That overcame means they conquered him. Read it, study it in the Greek. They conquered the accuser. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now for somebody. In the name of Jesus, I come against the accuser. Not by my own ability, but by the authority of the blood of the Lamb, by the Word of God, by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. I pray the accuser cast down. You overcome the accuser by the blood. By the blood. By the blood. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. I finish with this passage here. So we see all these threads. The writer of Hebrews then comes to this. Let us consider one another to provoke to love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Verse 26, please listen, please hear the word of the Lord. For if we sin willfully, and that's very important, writing to the Hebrews, if you go back and you study the Old Testament, you read the book of Leviticus, the first six chapters, you'll find in Leviticus that there were offerings for sins of ignorance and willful sins. Here he's addressing willful sin. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Oh, you didn't know that was in the New Testament, did you? 
We don't like that verse. Because we like willful sin. Because we just run back to the blood again. But the writer was appealing. He was trying to draw them to a place of deeper commitment and consecration and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's what the Spirit of the Lord is doing in His church in this hour. He's trying to bring us to a place of deeper commitment and consecration so He can manifest His glory. He wants to manifest His glory through you and I. But He will not manifest His glory outside of the holiest of holies. It requires a consecrated vessel. If we sin willfully, what is sinning willfully? I think you know, but let's just pause a moment just to make sure. I'm about to engage in something. And I know I probably shouldn't, but I really enjoy it. And afterwards, I'll make sure I repent. Oh, I'm sure in my 52 years of living, I'm the only one that's ever thought that way. Oh, I shouldn't. Ah, oh, no, I'm going to go ahead. God will forgive me. Oh, He will. You understand, I'm not telling you He won't. But this is what the writer of Hebrews is addressing. This attitude. And I fear. Remember what we read in Romans 3? There's no more fear of the Lord. That's what it leads to. A loss of fear of the Lord. Leads to willful sin and a taking advantage of the blood of Jesus. It's not a deep love and appreciation for the love of the for the blood. The blood becomes convenient to me. The blood becomes my crutch, if you will. I just had this thought pass through that. It troubles me to even say it. But perhaps it would draw a stark picture for us. There are those. I was reading an article the other day. The number was over 60%. There are those that use abortion as birth control over 60% the taking of a life not worried or concerned because they know if I become pregnant after fornication there's a way out that's the image that just went through my mind when I think about how I can treat the blood sometimes if I engage in sin I've always got an out. Rather than having a fear of God and a hatred for sin, how shall we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein? I'm not trying to be unkind this morning, but I feel the Spirit of God appealing to His people, trying to help us recognize and understand I laid down my life for you. 
I shed my blood for you. Not so you could willfully sin, but so I could eternally redeem you. So I could purge your conscience from dead works and so you could walk in righteousness. Don't allow the blood of Jesus to become common. If we sin willfully after after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But what is there then? I'll tell you what comes. Verse 27. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. Oh, this is New Testament. Once I transgressed the blood willfully. Once I transgressed the blood. See, here's the danger. I hear the warning of the Holy Ghost today. Here's the danger if I continue to sin willfully. There's no more sacrifice for sin. I'm, that's the word. And I'm willfully sinning. And there's no longer, there's no longer a sacrifice for sin. But there becomes a certain fearful looking for of judgment. I'll never forget it. I don't know why. I guess because of the Lord wanting to mark my life. I was just a boy. We lived in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I was nine years old, I think. Eight or nine years old. Pastor, Brother Jesse Williams. We were there. There was a man. There was a lot of military families that would come and go there because it was close to Fort Bragg. And there was a man in the church that was a soldier, a single man. I remember him coming, getting baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. He was always so kind to me and my sister. We loved him. He was, he was probably, you know, looking back, he was probably just in his early 20s, at maybe even 18 or 19. But he was always so kind to us, so friendly, always sought us out. and It, it meant so much to us. And we didn't see him for a while. Just remember that as a child because of how he, and this was a larger congregation, four to five hundred when I was there. And, but he would find us and, I don't know if maybe we were a connection for him as much as he was a connection for us. I'm not sure. And so we noticed when he wasn't showing up anymore. We had asked, has he moved? No, no, he's still here. He's still here. He just, you know, falling away. I don't know the whole details of the story, but I know this. Him and a group of soldiers was unloading a truck at Fort Bragg. It was a truck of munitions. And as they were unloading, they were unloading weapons, and one of the weapons he unloaded happened to have a round in it and it went off and it killed him instantly. It's silly. He would always give us gum. He would give me a piece of gum after church all the time. I remember when I heard that news, I thought, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it as a child. But through the years, Brother Dean, I've reflected on that story. And when I read this verse, these two verses right here, that story comes back to my mind and my spirit. Sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth. No more sacrifice for sin. But there's a certain fearful looking for of judgment. 
see if I fall into the deception that I can just run to the blood rather than having a genuine fear of God. Yes, the blood is always available. Please don't misunderstand me this morning. The blood is there. But if I'm living my life in a manner that's simply saying, well, I can do, I can sin willfully and run back to the blood, I'm telling you, you're playing with borrowed time. The adversary is never merciful. The adversary looks for an opportunity to take a life. And you fall into that trap of willfully sinning again and again and think, oh, I'm going to get up and get back to the blood. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. I hear the warning of the Holy Ghost today. I thank God for the blood. The blood is ever powerful. The blood is ever able. The blood is ever present. But if I take advantage of the blood and sin willfully, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. I need a fear of the Lord. I need a fear of the Lord and a love for the blood. Verse 28, last two verses. I know I'm going a little long. Musicians can come. Verse 28, the writer goes back to the Old Testament. He that despised Moses' law, what happened to them? Right there. Not a trick question. He that despised Old Testament law, he that despised Moses' law, died without mercy. Under two or three witnesses. It just took two or three people saying, yes, this is exactly. I heard them speak ill to their father and mother. Stone them. Two or three heard it. Take them out and stone them. Oh, thank God that didn't, oh, thank God that didn't work today. Read the law. I heard them bear false witness. Two or three of us know they were lying. Blatantly lying. No mercy under the law. Under Moses' law, take them out and stone them. This is it. Is that what it says? Go search the law. He that despised Moses' law, what's he saying? He was saying, hey, under the Old Testament law, there was quick consequences. They knew if they sinned, they had a fear of the Lord. They had a fear of the Lord. But you know what happened in the Old Testament? They lost their fear of God because they would be like, oh, you know what? The day of atonement's coming. Another year, I'll be okay. If I just stay under the radar with my sin for a year, the day of atonement's coming. And they even began to lose the fear of the Lord in the Old Testament. That's why he went in and drove out the money changers and those who were selling doves in the temple because they no longer had a fear and appreciation for the atonement and the blood sacrifice. They just go early and buy it and say, ah, here you go. No value placed on the blood of a sacrifice. You think we're different than they were. And even though death was at the door in the Old Testament, they lost their fear of the Lord. Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira said, yeah, we sold everything and gave it all. 
Peter said, why have you conceived together to lie to the Holy Ghost? Ananias fell dead. Sapphira came in a few minutes afterwards. She fell dead. I wonder if the fear of the Lord would return to the church of the living God if one or two fell dead when we walked in with willful sin. I'm not wanting that. I'm, but the Spirit of the Lord is trying to say, I did this for you. I made a way for you. You can walk in power and victory. You can manifest my glory. But you can't live willfully sinning. This is what happened under Moses' law. But watch the next verse. Please, stand with me. This is not the Old Testament law. This is the writing of the Word of God to you and I. Of how much sorer punishment do you suppose shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Are you able to put that up in the New King James Version by chance? You see the contrast the writer of Hebrews is drawing here. He's saying, hey, in the Old Testament, they knew sin brought death. We read in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And we hear that, but we don't necessarily believe that. Because we may not have witnessed somebody close to us paying the price of their sin so quickly. The writer of Hebrews declares, if that's the way it was under the law of Moses... And then he asked the question there in verse 29. I know those men are working on it. I threw them a curveball, but I want you to see this. Because this is the question you and I must answer for ourselves. In our receiving of the blood of Jesus Christ and our accepting of the blood. Of how much sorer punishment or of how much greater punishment? That's the question he's asking. If those under Moses' law died without mercy at two or three witnesses, how much greater would the punishment be for you and I who have the revelation of the blood of Jesus Christ? How much greater punishment, how much greater fear of the Lord should we have and he's talking about willfully sinning. Who has trodden underfoot the Son of God. And the New King James says, And has counted the blood of Jesus Christ as just a common thing. A common thing. We need a fresh revelation and appreciation for the blood of Jesus Christ. He made a way for you. He made a way for me. He made a way to live free and separated from sin. He made a way to walk in victory over sin. He made a way to live above the bondage of sin. 
He made a way to live outside of and free from, victorious over sin. He did not just make a way to deliver you from sin every day, every week. The blood is meant for you to be free from sin. I'm opening this altar to you today. There's room. The blood is present today to heal, to deliver, to set free. The blood of Christ is available today. Would you allow Him to renew your faith in His blood? And if any of us fall into the trap of sinning willfully, after having received this precious deliverance and knowledge, could we today allow the blood to come fresh before our face? And may the fear of the Lord return to our heart. May the fear of the Lord grip us. That we have a holy reverence and appreciation and admiration for the blood of the Lamb. And that we recognize and realize it gives us passage into the holiest of holies. We have entrance to the glory of God by the blood of the Lamb. I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood. Come on, if you need healing in your body today, would you begin to worship Him? And I believe the blood of Jesus would wash over you and heal you. And I believe the blood of Jesus wash over your mind over your body and over your spirit. If you have a conscience that the adversary's been bombarding and it needs to be delivered and purged from dead works, the blood is here today and it's designed to do just that. Let the blood purge your conscience from dead works that you might walk in the living God in righteousness by the authority of His Spirit. Come on, yield to the Holy Ghost and let the Spirit of God pour into your spirit today. Let the blood work effectually according to His purpose today. In the name of Jesus, let the conviction and the compassion of Christ minister to your spirit today. Lord Jesus, give me a fresh revelation of the blood of the Lamb. Let me not take it for granted. Let me not treat it as common or unholy thing. But I pray a fearful coming before the throne of God opening of my spirit and my heart to your word and to your blood let it wash over the soul let it wash over the mind let it wash over the body let the blood of the lamb applied in the waters of baptism flow afresh today upon every heart and life that would repent before you I pray grip our hearts with repentance let there be a depth of repentance that we've not yet walked in whereby there be a depth of consecration whereby you are glorified and manifested through our lives, I pray. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, He wants to manifest His glory through you. He wants to manifest His glory through you. He wants to manifest His glory through you. He's given you entrance to the glory of God by the blood of the Lamb.
For some of you today, you've you've wrestled back and forth, back and forth with willful sin. There's areas where the Spirit of God has convicted your heart. And you've said, I'm going to try to do better. I hear the Spirit of the Lord today appealing to you, saying, repent and return no more. Repent and return no more. Let the blood of Jesus Christ wash you clean and purpose to walk in newness of life in the fear of the Lord. Repent and return no more. You can do it not of your own ability, but by the power of the blood. By the power of the blood. Through faith in the blood of Jesus. lost, I was blind, I was running out of time, and sin separated, the breach was far too wide, from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight, so you made a way across the great divide. Left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. And there at the cross, you paid the debt I owed. Broke my chains, freed my soul. For the first time, I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of. Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls the sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, oh, the blood. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls the sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, the blood. Thank you, Jesus. The blood applied. Thank you, Jesus. It has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus. You have saved my life. 
nothing stronger than the wonder working power of the blood, the blood that calls the sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, His blood. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood. It calls the sons and daughters. Ransomed by our Father through the blood, the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved. My life brought me from the darkness to glorious Continue in prayer. The Spirit of the Lord is ministering into individuals' lives today. The blood of the Lamb is bringing healing, restoration. There have been those renewed in the Holy Ghost already this morning. Oh, let's let the blood of Jesus work. If you're done praying, just begin to worship Him. Maintain an atmosphere whereby the blood of Jesus flows. Come on, we understand that the blood of Jesus covers through the fellowship of the body. John told us that as we have fellowship one with another, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So let the blood of Jesus flow as we fellowship His Spirit together. Please don't be in a hurry this morning. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls the sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, the blood. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood. The calls the sons and daughters we are ransomed by our Father through the blood, His blood. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, who have saved my life. Lord, 
nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood of life. Calls the sons and daughters, we are ransomed by our Father through the Than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood. It calls the sons and daughters, we are ransomed by our Father through the I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I 
just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus cause your name is power your name is healing your name is life break every stronghold shine through the shadows I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus cause your name is power your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn out the fire. Shout Jesus from the mountains. And Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, and Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, your name is power, your name is healing. Your name is light. Make every stronghold shine through the shadows. Burn like a
there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus Can we raise our hands one more time this morning and just thank the Lord for the blood today on the blood that still works in our lives Hallelujah God we thank you we thank you we thank you for the blood we thank you for the blood Thank you for the blood that you shed. You shed for my remission. You shed for my healing. You shed, Jesus, that I could be set free. today that the blood still works the blood still works and you know for those of you who've who've been here a time or two before you know that there's a there's this drive and push of of bible studies and connecting with people to to bring a further and greater understanding of of the word of god and so if if you're here today and maybe it's your first time or you've only been a handful of times and you're, you're feeling in your spirit like I'd really like to know more of how I can apply the blood to my life because uh, it's not enough just in a service like this to say, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Uh, it doesn't stop there. That's not enough for the blood of Jesus to be applied to our lives. And so... If you are interested, and of course, keep coming, uh, but connect with someone that, that maybe brought you or someone here and ask them about, about having a Bible study uh, to understand further how the blood of Jesus can be applied to your life. Amen. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus desires that each of us live an overcoming life. Amen. Let's just thank him one more time before we go today. God, we thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for the fellowship of the body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us today, for convicting our hearts. I pray, Jesus, that this godly sorrow that we feel today would work repentance in us. That we not just cry a little bit here at the altar today, God, and go and leave unchanged. But I pray that we would look into the mirror of the Word of God today. We would go home and decide some things that we're going to change in our life. We decide some willful things that we're going to remove from our homes. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray we act in faith, God, to the Word today. We act in faith and respond throughout this week. Continuing, Jesus, to believe and to hold on this word. In the name of Jesus, we trust in your word and we believe it today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 
bless you today. Have a good rest of your Sunday. It's so nice. Usually we'd just be starting service for those 11 o'clock people. So feel free to stay, pray for a couple more hours. <laughs> Amen. And then you can go have lunch at the usual time. Amen. But fellowship with one another and have a blessed rest of your day. Amen.